Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be with you. I feel like I need to reintroduce myself to everyone. It's been over two months since I have been with you. And for those that I have not met and for those that may have forgotten who I am, <laughs> as Pastor Jeremy just said, I'm Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perry, North Merida, and Canton Campus. I'm usually out here about once a month. But uh, this past January, my family and I, we had a pretty challenging month. We had some very high highs and some very low lows that I'm not going to get into the details about. But that emotional roller coaster kind of caught up to me. And when I was supposed to be out here in January, uh, Pastor Jeremy was generous enough and gracious enough to step up to the plate and, and cover for me. And that's why I was not with you in January. So it's good to be back with you. I mean, my goodness, though. I've been gone a couple of months, and I've been gone, and you get a new facility, and you're into a, a, a fundraising campaign. You don't need me out here. Woo! I mean, I'm thinking if I stay gone another couple of months, who knows? Somebody might buy 40 acres of land and give it to us, you know? It's already been done. Oh, that's already been... See yeah. what I'm saying? It's already been done. This is my last Sunday to be with you, by the way. <laughs> boo, boo. Maybe if I stay gone long enough, somebody actually build us a building and give it to us. So Maybe I so need to So who go knows? Away. I am very, very excited now about what God is doing through our Canton campus. Uh, a lot of that due to the leadership of Pastor Jeremy and Corey and the whole Canton team and you folks that have so bought in to the vision out here. And Pastor Jeremy and I, as he just said a moment ago, we want to talk to you today about naming our future. Looking at Abram, who became Abraham, and him as a model to look at our next steps into the future that God has for us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to jump into God's word together. Father, we thank you for this great day, this great moment in time, this wonderful opportunity that you have placed before us. But even beyond that, just the opportunity to gather and worship you, engage your presence, to learn of your word. I pray for the person in here that knows you the least, all the way to the person that knows you the most, that all of us will take another step forward into understanding what it means to walk in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity. Now speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When my brother was about five or six years old, I would have been about two or three at the time, uh, he wanted to walk to school. Now where we lived at that time in downtown Atlanta, we could walk to school, and when we got older, we did walk to school, but mom thought he was a little too young at five or six but my brother kept pestering my mom and pestering her. And finally, she said, okay, tomorrow morning, you can walk to school. So next day, he got up real early, got dressed, and out the door he went. Now, my mom's intention was to, always, to, was to always follow him in the car so that he couldn't see her, but to make sure that he made it. Well, he was doing great until he got to an intersection. He was supposed to go right, and instead he turned left. And mom didn't intervene right away. She just wanted to see how this played out. And after he had gone a couple of blocks... He realized something was off. Something wasn't right. And he's looking around, and he's beginning to become physically upset. So mother honks the horn, and he sees my mom, runs over, jumps in the car, and says, Mommy, Mommy, it's terrible. It's terrible. And she said, What's terrible, son? She, he said, Mommy, they have moved my school. They have moved my school. <laughs> now, he had a distinct destination. He didn't necessarily know how to get there or where he was exactly going, but he just knew he had to go. And that was similar to what was happening to us about six years ago when the Lord was stirring in my heart that we needed to reach more people than we were presently reaching at the one campus in Marietta. And I didn't know what that meant that God was putting in my heart. 
And in September of 2009, I shared with Pastor Jeremy, who was then our student ministry pastor, what was, what was going on, invited him to be in prayer with me. We began to plan together, brought other people into the loop, and then three years later, Canton Campus was birthed. We didn't know what, that was going to happen, but that's where God led us. And now, three years later, we're on the move again. God is moving us to reach people that we aren't presently reaching now. And in essence, that's kind of what God was doing with his servant, Abram. Abram in his hometown, the Ur of Chaldees it's called, he was being moved upon by God to go to a land and a place he had never ever seen before. And we pick up this story as we look at the servant. In Genesis 11 verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Their destination was ultimately Canaan, though they had never seen that before. But God, in the process, temporarily put them in Haran, a a, a little bitty city of Haran. And, And there they stayed for a time until they got to the place God was taking them. Well, Sequoia High School has been the stopgap on our way to where God really has for us. But he's saying to us now, it's time to move again. And he was saying that to Abram. And we pick up the story in Genesis 12, beginning in verses 5 and 7. It says this, He, Abram, took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This is interesting to me, that perhaps the reason they had to stop in Haran is so they could gather the possessions and the people that they ultimately needed to go to the place they needed to go. Well, we're taking all of you and all the possessions, everything God blessed us here, and we're going to the next place. Now look what it says next, verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of the Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now, the Canaanites were pagans. These were a people that did not know God. And God is taking a people to them so they can know who God is. Now, we're not going to the Canaanites. We're going to the Cantonites. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to the Cantonites. We're going to the Cantonites. We're going... You got somebody over yeah, there with yeah. you? It's a friend. It's a friend of mine. I've been gone too long. I can yeah. see that. Yep. <laughs> but there were a people that needed to know God. And then look what happens next. Verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. He's saying, Abram, I'm going to establish your descendants in a land filled with people who don't know me. In other words, Abram, you and your descendants are going to be my witnesses to these people. You're going to tell them my God story. And as a result of this promise to Abram and a group of servants who were willing to go to a place that they weren't familiar with, there was going to be a people who did not know God who would come to know God. And whatever success we've had here at Canton, and whatever success we're going to have in the future, is all the result of a group of God-called servants willing to go to a place they aren't familiar with to carry out the will of God so that more people might know who Jesus Christ is and come to live a Christ-centered life. Why are we making this move? 
because we're servants of God that want to do God's will. You know, I get to do ministry with the people he's talking about, you. And so many of you give of your time and your energy and your talent, your treasure. You just, you give of yourselves to really do what God's called us to do in this community. And Pastor referenced, uh, you know, six years ago when this story started, we didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know. God just birthed this dream in his heart. And you've probably had a dream, you know, in your life. I know I have. And Sometimes you don't really know how it's going to play out, but you've got this dream, you've got this hope, you've got this desire to do something, go somewhere, be something, accomplish something, but you don't really know how it plays out. And sometimes we get discouraged, sometimes we're uncertain, and sometimes fear keeps us from really following through on all that we're supposed to pursue or all that God's calling us to pursue. And I think, I attribute, and I say this a lot, so it's not just in this setting, I attribute so much, almost everything that's happened I mean, he referenced it about us, and he referenced to the group of volunteers and me and Corey, but really this started with he and Udella. This was a God-given dream. And so a lot of you, you call me your pastor, and I, I never take that lightly, but guess what? He's my pastor, and, and he's the one that I look to as my pastor and my shepherd, and he's the one that God implanted this dream to. And he could have said, no, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're in the middle of a financial downturn in our economy. And so it doesn't make sense for a church to really take this step of faith and invest money and resources and people and go and do something else. But he said, no, this is what God birthed in my heart. And so we're going to do this. We're going to follow this. And here's the amazing thing. Before three years ago, or even before two years ago, or before a year ago, or six months ago, some of you may not have known him, or me, or anybody else from this church, but you came here, and God answered your prayer. God restored your marriage. Amen. God brought your sons and your daughters back right. into the fold of the, the family, the body of Christ. And I believe that is attributed to God birthing a dream, and a man following that dream, even when he was unsure what that dream would look like. And that's what we see in the story of Abram, right? Because he doesn't really know what God's going to do. And what we just read in verse 7 is that God said, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. There was a group of people who would actually get to take part in the promise of God just because they were connected to Abram. And I know that I'm drinking from wells I didn't dig, and I know that I'm eating from fruit of seed I didn't plant on my own, and you are too, because God had a plan. And that's the story of Abram. Mm -hmm. But here's what happened. Abram got this vision from God, this commandment of God, this dream of God, and so he sets out, and he goes along, and he hears this amazing thing from God about God says, hey, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. But then before that, before what we read in, verse, in chapter 12, he says this in verses 1 through 3 of Genesis 12. He says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your, families, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And listen to this. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God was giving Abram a glimpse of what the future looked like. But Abram was like you and I. I think sometimes when we read scripture, we assume that they had some you know, superior knowledge than we do when we're walking through our days. But I think Abram was maybe just looking into the future like you and I do sometimes, not knowing how God was going to bring about all the things that he was promising. And so Abram continues to walk this journey, unsure of how that's going to happen. 
And so he's got these concerns that maybe the promise isn't going to be fulfilled. And he reminds God of that. And he says, hey, I don't have an heir. You say I've got descendants and you say they're coming. You're going to make me a great nation. But I guess that's going to happen through maybe my uncle or my cousin because I don't have any kids of my own. And God reiterates that promise in Genesis 15, verse 5, when he says, The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now, again, man, we read that story and we think, man, that's an incredible story of faith. And Abram was probably super excited then. I think Abram probably had some of the same fears you and I would in that moment. You're going, okay, as many as the stars in the sky, can we start with one? I don't even have a descendant, a star worth. Can we start there and then build on that, Lord? And so what happens is Abram gets in a hurry. And Abram decides that surely God didn't fully know how he was going to make this thing happen. And so he decides that maybe what God intended him to do was not to bring about that descendant through his wife, but maybe through his wife's servant. And so he says, okay, I think this is how we're going to work this story out. And so he births through Hagar, he births Ishmael. He doesn't birth them. Men don't really birth babies, but you understand. And so Ishmael's born. No, explain it. No, you don't want me to? Oh, okay. That's that's a different class later in the day. Okay, okay. Later in the day, I've learned. I've got four, and I didn't. <laughs> I don't think you have them. learned. Yeah, I haven't learned. <laughs> Ishmael is born, and God's like, "That's not the plan." And 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 Abram's like, "No, no, no. I think this is the way you're going to do this, God." And so this is a conversation that takes place in Genesis 17, verse four. He says, "This is my covenant with you." This is God speaking. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. God is having a conversation here with Abram where he's saying, listen, there's more to this story than you even realize. His name Abram meant something related to his past, but Abraham was that name that says, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. He was saying, listen, the covenant that I'm making with you is not through Ishmael, it's through Isaac, and that's just the start of the story. Well, today... Just like Abram's name changed, our big announcement is that our name is changing. And so beginning the very first Sunday that we open our new building at 110 Bluffs Parkway, we will no longer be called Mount Perrin North Canton Campus, which is a mouthful. We will be known as Canton Church. We will still be a a campus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you leave in a little while, you're going to get this sheet of paper that answers some of the questions that you may have right now. Uh, But here's the main two questions. Why are we doing this, and does this change our relationship with Mount Perrin North? The second question first, does it change our relationship? No. We're still a campus of Mount Perrin North. We're still charged to go and help people live a Christ-centered life. We are still called to reach this community, which the dream that started five or six years ago will still kind of bear out in that way. But the reason that we're doing this is because we were kind of sent to this community to reach this community. And so for us, Canton Church is just a way for us to really promote ourselves and market ourselves, rebrand ourselves in this community to reach the people that we believe that God is calling us to reach. And so we're announcing it today, but it won't take effect until the first Sunday in that building. So once we give you that date, hey, we're, we're launching at the new building this date, we will become Canton Church on that date. When you leave, they'll give you a sheet of paper that's got that information. But we wanted you to know that, hey, just as Abram, as God was kind of calling him to a new land, and his name was changed from Abram into Abraham, so is our name changing. 
so that we can really fulfill in that part of the community what we believe God's calling us to. So we will go from Mount Perrin North Canton campus to Canton Church. And this is just another part of the story for us. It's just one more step in this amazing journey that God's calling us to. Now, in Abram's journey and his name change, um, he wasn't going to go in this journey without a fight. Um, and I want to talk about that part of this journey in Abram's life of the fight. Because, um, you know, every good story has a villain. Hmm. A, bad, some, a, a bad guy, something that wants to oppose the good guys, the good that's being done. And as Abram went on this journey, or Abraham went on this journey... He was being opposed in several different ways in that process. One particular way I want to look at is in Genesis chapter 15. Pastor Jeremy already made reference to the story where Abram was concerned about whether this promise God had given to him was really going to come to pass. And uh, God assures Abraham that it will in a very unusual to us type of way. And in verse 9 and 11 of, verses 9 through 11 of Genesis 15, this is what it says. It says, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram bought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Now this sounds like a very gross gory story, and, and it, it is somewhat. And it seems very weird to us, but in Abram's day, this was a very common ritual. This was a blood covenant ritual, where two people who were entering into covenant together, together would take these animals that God made reference to, cut them in half, sacrifice them in essence, put them on uh, to the two halves apart from each other, and then the two people entering a covenant would walk between the halves through the blood symbolizing a blood covenant. And they're saying to one another, should either one of us break this covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to us. Literally, if I break covenant with you, may I be destroyed. It was that serious of a covenant commitment. So when God's instructing Abram to do this, Abram understood very well what the ramifications of what this ritual was going to be. Now, when you read this story, and I encourage you, go read this in Genesis 15. God and Abram don't walk between the pieces together. Only God does. As if to say, Abram, I'll show you how much you can count on me. I'm putting this whole covenant thing on me. Good. It's all on me. So Abram understood the ramifications, but when Abram's setting everything up, getting ready for this, this covenant ritual... These birds of prey, vultures, scavenger birds, whatever they were, came and they started attacking his sacrifice. They start tearing the, the meat off the bone and he has to fight them off. Now these are literal prey, uh, birds of prey, and this is a literal story, but these birds of prey represent evil forces. They represent the bad guys. They represent satanic forces that are trying to oppose and usurp God's plan and purpose. Now, you and I have to understand something. We have an enemy, and he's not going to roll over and pray, play dead as we move to a new place that God is opening doors for us to move to. He's going to try to oppose us, and we have to be ready for that. And there's three ways here that I want to quickly look at that I can see the birds of prey, if you will, that we need to be aware of in this Abram story. The first bird of prey that we might need to be aware of is fear. It's fear. Uh, Pastor Jeremy already made reference to the fear that Abram must have had. When you look at the dialogue that happens between God and Abram in Genesis 15, the first thing God says to Abram, 
Do not be afraid. Now, we don't know what his fear is, but God's trying to calm him down. Maybe it was the fear of change. Maybe it was the fear of failing. Maybe it was the fear of not having enough. Are we really going to be able to pull this off? I don't know what the fear could be and how the enemy would like to intimidate us, but we got to fight the birds of prey of fear. A second bird of prey that I think we need to take a look at is doubt. God said to Abram, I'm going to give you this land. And then Abram said, well, how can I know that I'm going to possess it? He was doubting. He was doubting God. He was doubting maybe himself. He was doubting that perhaps he was good enough. Perhaps he didn't have what it took. Perhaps he didn't measure up. I don't know what the doubt was, but doubt is something else we've got to battle. Maybe a third thing we might have to battle, and maybe this is the most important, is impatience. Because God said to Abram, I'm going to give you descendants. And Pastor Jeremy just made reference. <laughs> he says, I don't even have a child. I'm, I'm still childless. How is this going to happen? And, and Pastor Jeremy made reference to the Ishmael story. Abraham got impatient with how God was moving. Now, we are a very impatient culture. We want it when we want it, and we want it now. And a lot of that has to do with the internet and computers. Anybody ever heard of Google? Anybody ever heard of Google? It's, it's a little bitty startup company right now. We don't know if it's going to make it or not. But it, it's the largest search engine that we have on the internet. It has close to 4 billion searches a day on Google. Well, they tried their own experiment to see what would happen if they slowed down their response time. How would it impact the searches? And Google actually slowed down the response time four-tenths of a second, and it led to 8 million less searches. Four-tenths of a second. Other stats say that one in four people will abandon a website if it takes more than four seconds to load. Mobile users will leave a site if it doesn't load within 10 seconds, and three out of five will never return to that site. 40% of e-shoppers will abandon a website like Amazon.com if it doesn't load within three seconds, which means Amazon could lose up to $1.6 billion a year due to a one-second delay in their site. We're majoring, measuring impatience in matters of seconds. Now, there's a lot more stats I could read to you that Google gave to me, but it was taking too long for Google to get back to me, so I went on. I didn't want to mess with it anymore. You liked that, didn't you? That was you? good. That was good. I'm even gone too much, but I still got it, baby. Hurry it up. Hurry it up now. Come on. Here's the deal. We wish to God we can tell you when we're going to be in this new facility. But we got a permit process, a money-raising process, dealing with subcontractors. Sub, I can't even say it. Yeah. Subcontractors. Yeah. We don't know. And impatience can be one of the things that we really have to fight. And I don't know what the birds of prey are going to be ultimately. But this is how Abram fought, I believe. And it's simply this. However the enemy might come at us, we just got to know that God knows. Abram knew that God knew. After they do the covenant ritual, look at what uh, uh, God says to Abram, verse 15, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain, say no for certain. No for certain. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they have served as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. It's as though God is saying, Abram, I know every bird of prey that's going to come up against you. You don't have to be afraid of that. I know what's happening. In fact, Abram, to show you that I know what's going on, 
in your future, in the future of your descendants, there's going to be a time, they're going to be 400 years in slavery, but I'm going to bring them out of there, and they're going to come out better than when they went in, and they're going to come out possessing more than when they went in. Abram, know that I know. And it may not look like I'm at work. It may look like the birds of prey are getting all the glory and getting all the success. Even when you don't see me at work, know that I am at work. Abram knew God knew. That's what we need to know, folks. All we got to know is that God knows. We don't have to know what God knows. We just got to know that he knows. And as long as I know that God knows, and that's all I need to know. That's right. You know? That's right. That's it. I don't know how he's going to do it. All I know is he is. I know God knows. Now, for you to understand how God has been at work, I mentioned a moment ago, and most of you know this, that we have a business person as a part of our Marietta campus who has purchased 40 acres of land that he bought for his own business but then felt God leading him to donate that land to Canton campus as our future permanent location. He is in the process of doing that. But this business person, five years ago, before there ever was a Canton campus, was on the brink of bankruptcy. He was about to lose his entire business because of the economic downturn. He didn't know if he was going to be able to keep his business afloat or not. And one of our missionaries, to show you the missionary connection to this campus, One of our missionaries halfway around the world felt compelled of God that the next time he was here for a missions festival, he was to get with that business person and go with him to his business and pray over his business. And that's exactly what they did. They went to every part of that man's business, all the land that he owned, the different assets, everywhere he had an office. They went to every one of those, took an entire day, and they prayed over that business. And after that time, God began to open up streams of revenue to that business that that business never even knew existed. They didn't begin to make money the way they did it before. God opened up places and ways for them to make money, turned that business around so that that businessman could purchase the 40 acres to give to this campus. Think about this a moment. Five years ago, God moves on a missionary to pray for a business that was going out of business because birds of prey were attacking it. God wanted to use this business to bless this campus, a campus that didn't even exist at the time. I want you to know something. God knows, and that's all we need that's to right. know. That's right. You know, sometimes God calls us to really test that out. Do we believe that God knows? You know, Abram's walked this journey, and then he becomes Abraham, and he's still walking this journey, and eventually God gives him a son. He gives him Isaac. And you would think, man, that's an incredible blessing. Wow, God's really writing the story now. Things are happening. This is exciting. And then God does what seems unthinkable. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now that I've given you the son who will be, you know, the start of these descendants, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that son and I want you to kill him. <laughs> I want, that's what God said. I want you to go now and sacrifice the child that I have given to you that was the promise of this, this thing that I've given to this promise of the promise. He was the, the promise of the descendants. He was the first in line for all these stars in the sky. He says, now what I want you to do is I want you to go and sacrifice him. And Abraham says, Okay. And so he takes Isaac one day and he gathers up the supplies to make a sacrifice. 
And they take their servants and they get on their, their horse and they get their supplies and they, they start moving towards the mountain to offer the sacrifice. And then they get in, inside of that and they go, okay, here's what we want you to do. You servants, you stay here. We're going to take the supplies. And Isaac and I, the, the boy and I, we will go up and we will return. It was this idea that even if you read it, even if I've got to sacrifice him, God's going to do something miraculous because we're going to go and we're going to come back. So Abraham says, okay, let's go. They start walking up the mountain and Isaac says to his dad, probably what you and I would say, hey, dad, we've got all these supplies and I see everything that we need, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the sheep? And Abraham says, God will provide. provide. Amen. Amen. So they get up to the top of the mountain and they start setting up the sacrifice. And if you read it, it would appear that it goes all the way to the point where Abram takes Isaac and lays him up on the altar. And he's ready to sacrifice his one and only son. A little foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Lays him on the altar. And in that moment, God says to Abraham, stop. Now that I've seen that there is nothing more important to you than me, I'm going to provide the sacrifice. And Abraham turns his attention over into the thicket and he sees a ram that was caught there in the thorns. And here's what I love about this story. It's almost as if while Abraham and Isaac are walking up one side of the mountain, God's bringing the sacrifice up the other side. That where Abraham didn't really know, how in the world is this thing going to play out? I mean, I'm going to have to sacrifice this child that was promised to me. God's like, nope, I've got the sacrifice. And here, honestly, I read this this morning. I was reading back through my notes, and I read this this morning. I hadn't thought about it this way. The question that Isaac asked his father, and this is not going to be on the screen. The question that Isaac asked his father was, where is the sheep? And God provided a ram. Sometimes the answer to your prayer isn't the same answer that you thought it was going to be. Mm. And yet, it's exactly what you need for mm. God to provide in that moment. Mm. And so God provides this sacrifice. He provides exactly what they needed in the moment. And here's what I wrote about God and about Abraham in this period of testing in this sacrifice. When Abraham was tested, when he trusted God with his promised future, God provided what was needed for his present sacrifice. When Abraham trusted God with his promised future, God provided what was needed for his present sacrifice. God provided what he needed. You know, a tag phrase, a tagline for us over the last few weeks and months is where God guides, he provides. I've seen that to be true in my life. Corey and I have watched that be true in our family finances. We've watched that to be true at this campus and other places that we've done ministry where God guides, he provides. Today is another step in that provision process because we're gonna take up an offering in just a few minutes and we're going to enter into a 12-week pledge campaign where we are asking all of us, us included, this is not something I'm asking you to do, I'm in. Corey and I have prayed about this, talked about this, dreamed about this. Our kids brought envelopes today with their tithe and their building fund, uh, giving their offerings from their birthday money and from their allowance because our family believes in what God is doing. And so today we're going to give an offering 
And we're also going to enter into a 12-week pledge to try to raise $60,000. I should say at least $60,000 for us to be able to transition, to make the move into the new space. In the worship guide you received today, you should have received a pledge card. If you don't have one, if you'll lift up your hands, the hosts are going to come down the aisle and they've got pledge cards there for you uh, to take. And I just want to walk you through a little bit of what this is going to look like in a few minutes when we come to this portion of our service. But we believe that God is calling us, just like he did to Abraham, that God is calling us to trust him with our future, our promised future. And we believe that when we trust him, he's going to provide for our present sacrifice. On the card that you've got there, there's some demographic information on the top. And then in the middle, it says this, to help Mount Perrin North Canton campus make the move to our new home. I am trusting the Lord to help me give the following amount above my tithes and offerings for the next 12 weeks. That's March the 1st today through May the 24th. And there's some information there. There's a couple of options for you to designate how you're choosing to give, or you can go to the bottom and mark other, however you choose to do that. And then on the bottom of the card, you can fill out your name and put that amount, and you're going to be able to tear that card off and take the bottom home with you and put the top part of the card in the bucket when it goes by in a few minutes. On the back, it says this, and I just want to read this together. It says, the Make the Move offering will help us fund the build-out costs necessary to meet our ministry needs as well as the startup costs of equipment purchases and down payments, etc. required to get into the space. For example, for every $30 you give, you buy one chair for the auditorium that we're asking God to fill with someone who needs to hear the gospel. If you give $1,000... You help furnish a nursery where loving volunteers can care for babies while their parents participate in our worship services. A $5,000 gift will help us upgrade and permanently install our audiovisual system. Listen to this. No matter the amount you give, we know that God is faithful to provide everything we have need of. We are thankful he allows us to play a part in making the move where God guides, he provides. I want you to take that card in your hand and if you're prepared to fill it out, you can do so in the next few minutes. The pastor's going to pray for us in just a minute. He's going to pray over the campus. He's going to pray over this offering. But beyond that, he's going to pray for us personally, every one of us in this room, because we're walking this journey like Abram walked. We're walking this journey where we're trusting God with a future that we don't fully realize yet, that we don't fully understand yet. We don't know how God's going to bring it to pass, not just the things in the church, the things in your home, the things in your family, the things on your job, and we know that. But I believe that if we trust God, that God will provide. If we know that God knows, he's going to show us. He's going to reveal it to us, just like he had to do with Abram. I think God is not intimidated when we question and we ask, God, how are you doing this? I'm not sure this is going to work out. What are you doing? I think just like he did with Abram, he just walks us outside and says, look, here's my plan. Here's a little more of the plan that I want to reveal to you now. Here's a little more of the promise. Just stay the course. Just keep going. Just trust me more. Just keep trusting me. I'm telling you, I am going to come through and do exactly what I promised you I would do. Because it's not just Abram. It's not just him trusting God with his promised future. Here's the reality. Just like Abraham, I believe that if we trust God with our promised future, he'll provide what we need for the present sacrifice. Listen, I told you last week when we were preparing for this offering that you don't give under compulsion. That's what 2 Corinthians 9 says. You don't give because of manipulation or because somebody's twisting your arm. You give what God's speaking into your heart. 
and you know exactly what God's saying to you. And we've asked all week over the last few weeks for God just to help all of us, just to know how we're going to participate. I'm asking you today to give something, a dollar, $10, whatever you have the ability to give. And I'm asking you to pledge something. There's some ways for you to give today. They're going to put that up on the screen. If you give through the envelope, you can give and just designate it to the building fund on the envelope there. If you give at the kiosk out in the lobby or you give online, you just designate it to the building fund. If you choose to give through text giving, you just text 770-400-9015. You text the amount and then the word build. If it's your first time, they'll send you a link back and you can fill out the information. It takes about two minutes. Just make sure you click Canton Campus on there and it'll all be exactly like it's supposed to be. Everything will happen the way that we believe God wants it to happen. But he allows us to play a part in the story. God has a future for us. And he allows us to play a part. Pastor started with that today. Servant leaders, people giving of their time, their energy, people we didn't even know six years ago, people we didn't even know three years ago, some of you we didn't know a year ago, and now you are invested here. You are bought in. This is the place that God brought you, and you're going with us. And we believe that God has amazing things in store for us. Let's pray. Father God, you've always had a people throughout your history. You've always had a people to reach people. Father, I thank you for the fact that you have raised up this people at this time to go reach people who need to hear what you have to say, to hear your story of your love for them. Father, I pray right now that we would be those servants that would hear and we would respond. Father, I pray that you would help us with any kind of fear or doubt or impatience or anything that would be coming against us to really respond openly and by faith to what you're saying to us over the next several months and even years together. Father, I pray that you will rise up our faith, that you will enable us to rest in the reality that we know that you know. And as you speak to hearts, God, may we be obedient and may we simply respond with, yes, Lord. And God, in that process, may we see you do amazing things in our lives personally in our family lives, in our business lives, all in the culmination of the life of this campus. God, I thank you that you would include us in your story, that you would believe that we were trustworthy enough to entrust to us this amazing journey and vision to go into a place and boldly proclaim who you are. Bless this offering. Bless each person who gives by faith for one purpose, your praise, your glory, and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.